The 187th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win! 54 to 53! North Carolina did it! North Carolina wins the championship! With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Fred Brown looking, oh, way to worthy! Worthy five! The Star Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court, Carolina with foul, he takes the timeout, they're out foul. of timeout! Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan, they're out of timeout! And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebound. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champion. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national daggum champion. Love, guarded by Keels, gets a screen, pulls up for three. Got it! Caleb from straight away! Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys once again today. We want to wish you guys a happy new year. Uh, and and I want to kind of pick up where we left off with the last episode where um, I thank the, 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 the listeners and the audience for a fantastic 2022 season. We finished the calendar year with uh, 44,444 downloads. That's consistency right there. And, um, you know, I just want to start this year off by saying thank you for all the support that y'all have shown us. Um, Those of you that were with us when we were the Roy's Boys podcast that have found us since we rebranded as the Four Corners podcast. Want to say thank you to the Basketball Podcasting Network because all of this growth, all of this success would not have been would not have been possible without them. Um, and so from Anthony and myself, we want to say thank you once again. We're excited and primed for what we're hoping for is going to be um, a big-time 2022 or a, or a big-time 2023 um, as Carolina is now into the 2023 portion of their, their, their basketball schedule. They're back in action Wednesday. They host Wake Forest in a rather important ACC basketball game as Carolina is now playing ACC games for the rest of the way. So we're going to we're gonna break down the Demon Deacons. We're going to look at some things around Carolina, give our keys to the game, pick the game, and more. And then we also got our pod thought of the day, which we'll get to in just a second. But we didn't touch on this last week because – after the way Carolina lost on Friday, I wanted to come on here and and and, and talk about the game and the team um, to kind of voice some frustrations after that loss to Pittsburgh. No, you seemed really calm, dude. Seriously. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> They're really lucky I was sick for about three weeks. I've got my voice back, so now I've got three weeks' worth of venting 
that I've oh. got to make up for. Oh, no. So this is going to make uh, for a lot of fun episodes on the show. But um, some big news did come out of Carolina basketball last week, and that was the commitment of 2024 point guard Elliot Cadu, um, a, a guy that um, has ties all the way back to New Jersey, does play his high school ball um, out of the state of Missouri. You're talking about the number one overall point guard prospect in that class, the number eight overall prospect in the class as a whole. Um, this is a guy that already has the academic requirements to reclassify to 2023. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think it's gonna be something we're gonna talk about. You know, once the off season gets here and we take a look at Carolina's rosters or at, or at Carolina's roster and how they can improve it. But the second top ten commit ever under Huber Davis, of course, joining Gregory G.G. Jackson, who would decommit and now is playing at Lifeless South Carolina. We don't see the same thing happening here. With Elliot Cadu, and one of the things I said, Anthony, was that you know with, with that commitment, with the ties to New Jersey, that's a big reason why you're going to see Carolina back in that in that part of the country moving forward, is to really help the recruiting presence. But when Hubert Davis took the job, one of the things that he's really followed through on was that Carolina was going to be a, a recruiting power again, and a, a, a national recruiting brand. And not that they weren't under Roy Williams, but because of the investigation. It really limited the type of kids that they could get in here. Now all that stuff's gone. Hubert Davis is getting the type of talent that he wants, the type of talent that he needs, the type of talent we expect to have here at Carolina. And a guy like Elliot Cadu, who is a natural floor uh, or a floor general, a typical point guard, is just another sign that Carolina basketball, in terms of from a recruiting aspect, is back where it belongs. Yeah, and I I think, to me, there was never really any question that he could get it back there because he was a guy that was so integral in Carolina's recruiting even beforehand. And it wasn't great, but again, as you said, they were kind of working with what they had available under the NCAA cloud, and now all of that is clear. You've got a new coach in there that uh, is – you know, has had a ton of success, and you can see that is paying off. At least, you know, for a first-year head coach, uh, that's about as good as you could ask for from him uh, in his first year. And so, you're seeing the extension of that in the 23 class with Simeon Wilcher and Zayden High, and now you're seeing it extend into the 24 class. And this one's big. This is a traditional point guard. This is a guy that uh, sort of fits what Carolina honestly lacks right now um I think you know we've talked about it RJ Davis has shown moments where he's looked really good as a primary ball handler but this is a guy that fits the traditional point guard role and so it's going to be interesting to see how he fits in especially if he does reclassify and that's something where we may be talking about that you said we may be waiting to the offseason we may have to talk about that even earlier just depending on when he ends up making that decision because it it, it may not be that far off because, as you said, he's got the credits. It appears like that was one of the big talking points around him before he committed. So it may not be far off, this decision, and it it will lead to some questions in that backcourt because if he does reclassify, that means he would be here next year. And, you know, from what we've seen this year – I mean, I think he's taking a step forward. I don't think R.J. Davis is leaving early to go to the NBA. No. You've got 
Seth Trimble, who we like, we still think that there is a really high ceiling for him. And then you've got Simeon Wilcher, who is widely regarded as one of, if not the best combo guard in the entire country, coming in in this year's class guaranteed. So, yeah, there's a lot of conversations that will have to be had. But I I think one of the things that you wanted to see when Huber took over was this recruiting even take an uptick from where it was late under Roy Williams, and I think it has, especially at that guard position where I think they've done a tremendous job. Well, I mean, because, I mean, that's, you know, everyone's starting to wonder, why does he want, you know, a, a, a typical point guard? He wants to play with three guards on the court. It makes it easier to do that if you have a guy that is a natural floor general. And and one of our P1s, Colin Hogger, like he texted right after the commitment and said, oh, do we have to worry about a Seth Tribble decommitment or a transfer? And I think the answer is no, because I think... Well, nowadays, I think you always have to be somewhat mindful of that. I I just think the biggest reason why Carolina was interested in him, and and even with the the reclassification, is because as much success as Hubert Davis had last year playing with two bigs, Manic and Armando Baycott... Not the same, not having the same the, the same success right now with Pete Nansen Baycott, but the quicker that we can have a lineup on the court that features three guards, a wing, and a big, that's I mean that's when you when you think about what this program looks like on the court, that's what it looks like. So I don't think Huber Davis is gonna, you know, get you know have, have nervous feelings about players leaving if he's got, you know a improper bounce in terms of backcourt and frontcourt players because once he has this program where he wants it it's going to be primarily a backcourt wing position roster with two to three bigs at the most and and there's nothing wrong with that that's how a lot of schools that play the way that we're going to start playing and are trying to play right now you look at you know Alabama for example that's how they play and stuff like that and and, and so I just think that's what this is, is that this is this is another step closer to this program looking like what it what Hubert Davis wants it to look like. That's why he was so aggressive and in, in recruiting him. And the granted, look, a lot of the biggest reasons why his his recruitment did kind of end up with him at Carolina. There are some questions about you know, Chris Beard at Texas. He had some off the court issues that still, he's trying to get resolved. Still suspended, right? I think right so. Yes. And, and and so that really opened the door for Carolina. And then also I mean, say what you want. This isn't Huber Davis bad-mouthing his own guys. But when he's on the recruiting trail, people can look at Caleb Love's and R.J. Davis's numbers and see that they're struggling. Well, if a guy like Elliot Cadu was on the court and was the type and is the type of player that he's going to be that can just run the offense and get the ball to the guys in their spots, the game's going to be easier for a guy like R.J. Davis if he's back for a senior season. Or a guy like Puff Johnson who needs to grow on the offensive end. So I think it's even more of a selling point about even if you reclassify, you're going to be in a position to help us get where we want to get to, which, you know, was winning ACC championships and competing for national championships. And so the one thing that I question with Tremble <clears throat> that would maybe make him think for what is, is was his goal to eventually be the starter at Carolina because I don't know about you at least from what I've saw I've seen of him from high school 
and early on here at Carolina, I don't see a guy that can play off the ball. I think he has he's a primary ball handler, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think it really just depends. Um, this kid wanted to be a part of this program his entire life. See, I think the connection with Tokido, the family, I, I think that that does loom large here. So I, I, I'm not as concerned about him leaving because he wanted to be here. Mm-hmm. He, he wasn't going to come to Carolina, not because he didn't want to, but because really before Hubert Davis got the job, there wasn't any interest in him from the Carolina side of things. But that'll be a completely different topic for a completely different day. Let's turn our attention back to the, the present and the now where Carolina, as I mentioned, they host Wake Forest on Wednesday night. As we now transition into the preview part of the podcast, let's do as we always do. Let's go to our pod thought of the day. And I think I've used this with Roy Williams uh, or from Roy Williams before, uh, but we're going to use it again. Because uh, this is where I'm at at nine and five. Oh, no. after starting, you know, the season with all this hope and anticipation, and, and where you know, by, by, by God, I want to win, and I want to win at a really high level. Um, and Roy Williams said simply, "quote If you want to win, if you want to beat people, sweat more." And, and I think that is something that really applies to where this team is. I mean, we we played or we 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 read the quote from Armando Baycott after Pittsburgh, where he basically called his team out. Where guys showed up, they didn't, they weren't locked in. Questioned the care factor, and with that means you got to question the effort factor. And I think the biggest frustration I had with that loss to Pittsburgh on um, on 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 Friday was we got outworked. We got out hustled. We got out everything. When you lost to Iowa State and Alabama, did you get out did you get outperformed in certain areas? Sure. You got out executed down the street. But, but I never really felt like that like those the, the, those games meant more to the opponents. When you lost to Indiana, did you? Yeah, you got out hustled. You got out executed. But I still thought. I mean, Carolina was in the game with eight minutes to go, despite shooting thirty percent from the field. When you lost to Virginia Tech, no Armando Baycott, you were down eighteen, but you put together a run. Again, more of an execution type of thing. This was a game that, for whatever reason, like we saw at times last year with Carolina, where Carolina just went through the motions. And they didn't want to battle through the adversity of some bad officiating. They didn't want to match the physicality, the emotion that Pittsburgh brought to the game. Knowing, though, that's how Pittsburgh's beaten them the last four of the five matchups. It's not really from a talent or a skill or an athletic ability. It's because the game's meant more. And, you know, that's that's what's frustrating about where we are this season. Because I think, you know... We just didn't think that we were going to have that same issue this year because you went through all of that last year and you would have thought a tournament run where you, you know, where you, you would have shown a level of maturity and you're back kind of really where you were at this time in January a year ago. Well, it's another thing. They told us this in the preseason over and over again at ACC Media Days, they said this. So, yeah, I mean, and I guess, I guess it's on us for believing them. But we didn't think this was going to be an issue. We didn't think that you were going to have a lack of motivation in some of these games. And I think 
This is the first time I've really I've really felt that. I'm with you. I think all their other losses, I mean, Virginia Tech, you could maybe question it, but I didn't really think that. I thought without Armando Baycott, I thought, honestly, it was a shock factor to the entire team when he went through warm-ups and then just told them, I can't go. Mm-hmm. I think that just that sent a shockwave through them. This game, there was no excuse. It's like Armando said. I mean, what... They just slept, walked through this game. And I get it. You were coming off the holiday and everything like that. But come on. You got to be prepared for this game. And normally, a team that's as good as we thought this team was going to be, that's the other frustrating part. A team that's as good as we thought this team was going to be, they could have played an off game. They could have slept, walked for a majority of the game. And they still would have found a way to win that game. Because I don't – look, you could say whatever you want about how Jeff Capel has done a a, – a better job there this year. That team ain't making the tournament. That team is not that good. I don't give a. I I, I really don't care what people say. They're better, but it still doesn't. They are not a tournament team. So you should have been able to find a way to win that game. And yes, it's embarrassing that Jason Capel is right. I can't stand him. I think he's. I think he's a goofball because. He just looks like a moron on the sidelines, just right. like his brother going back and forth. But I just, like, he's right. They have out-toughed you one time in your own building, and you just had no response. So, and and again, it all the, the, the last game, it all goes back to the team just completely going away from what was working. But, yeah, they the, the fact that putting in the sweat I mean that that goes into stopping dribble penetration because it's something on the defensive end, mm. and we all know that on the defensive end, it's all about effort. I didn't think there was enough effort the other day, and that's it's honestly shocking, especially considering that you are now zero and two in ACC road games with losses to a good Virginia Tech team, but a below average. Pittsburgh team. Well, their next opponent, Wake Forest, um, they're a team that they, they're coming in with a ten and four record. They are two and one in the ACC. They do have a home upset over Duke, and this is going to be a game that, kind of like Pittsburgh, really means a lot more to Wake Forest. Uh, Wake Forest last year, if they don't lose in the first and in their first ACC tournament game, they probably back their way into the field of 64, 68. They may have had to go into Dayton, but they would have made the tournament. And they, But they lost to Boston College, and, and then they missed the tournament because they didn't have enough of these type of wins that they're going to be looking for in this game, despite beating Carolina at home a year ago. Um, as I mentioned, they are 10-4. and four. Um, they just beat Virginia Tech at home over the over the weekend, so they've got two really good wins, that Duke win and that Virginia Tech win. A road win at Carolina would do a lot of things for their early tournament hopes. They have four players that are averaging double-figure double scoring, led by maybe the most fun guy in the conference to watch play offense on an individual basis. Tyree Appleby is averaging 18.4 points, three rebounds, five assists while shooting 50% from the field, 45% from three. They've got Cameron Hildreth, who's averaging 12 points, six and a half rebounds, three assists. He's shooting 46% from the field, 30% from three. Then they have Damari 
Uh, Monsanto, who's averaging 10.5 points, three boards. He's shooting 38% from the field and from behind the three-point line. Then they have Andrew Carr, 10.4 points, five, a little over five rebounds, 1.3 assists, 45% from the field. 31% from three. Um, this is a team that, like Carolina, likes to play out in the open court. They want to run. They've got the athletes to run. We learned that the hard way last year when they ran us out of their building. Um, they they do have struggles on the defensive end of the court, mainly away from home. So kind of a lot like Carolina where this has been a team that is undefeated at home. They've been kind of iffy on the road. They'll be looking to put together a complete game in this one. As for Carolina, they enter 9 and 5 record. They're 1 and 2 in the ACC. They fell outside of the AP top 25 after that loss at Pittsburgh a week ago. And even though this isn't as bad as it was um this time last year, I did go ahead and just take a look at the bracketology from ESPN's Joe Lenardi. Oh my God! Already because it's it's that time of the year where you you want to start. Mo- I really looked at it to see where Wake Forest, if Wake Forest was considered in the field of sixty-eight. Sure. As of right now, they are not. Carolina. Now this was the twenty-seventh. Yeah, the, the, this this field was put together the twenty-seventh by Joe Lenardi. So this even if Carolina's number will be different the next time he updates this. Carolina came in as a four seed yeah, in the West. Yeah, you know, with the loss to Pittsburgh, you would imagine that that would have probably dropped Carolina at least to the six line, um, and maybe that win over Virginia Tech for Wake Forest would have moved them into you know the the, the field of sixty four, maybe the you know the field of sixty eight, maybe you know first four out, whatever, but. You know, a lot different than where we were this time last year. This time last year, Carolina was a bubble team and pretty much remained a bubble team up until they beat Duke the final week of the regular season. So just some fun, just something that we can monitor as we make our way through the basketball season. The Tar Heels do have four players that average double-figure scoring. Armando Baycott has now established himself as Carolina's leading scorer, 18.5 points, 11 boards, while shooting 57% from the field. Caleb Love, 17.5 points, four rebounds, a little over three assists, 42% from the field, 29% from three. Caleb Love, 15.9 points, five rebounds, three assists, also shooting 42% from the field, 30% from three. It's really scary how almost identical his shooting numbers are to his backcourt mate, the aforementioned Love. And then Pete Nance averages 11.7 points, six and a half boards. He's shooting 50% from the field, just 34% from three. Carolina averages 19.2 made foul shots per game. That's third most in the country. They attempt 26th, which is sixth best in the country. Uh, The Tar Heels average 29.6 defensive rebounds per game. That's sixth best in college basketball. And they average 40.2 total rebounds per game. That is 22nd best in the country. So now that we have some information on the Deeks, we got you up to date on the Heels. Let's take a quick break. We'll get you this week's ad from DraftKings. Then when we come back, we'll give our keys to the gang, pick the game, and more on the Four Corners Podcast. Back after this message from DraftKings. 
The NBA season is heating up, and there are still so many games coming up. Like if you're a local fan of the Charlotte Hornets, the 76ers are in town. The Minnesota Timberwolves are in town. Or if you're a Knicks fan like me, there's a lot of games coming up as we get ready or as we continue to make our way through the NBA season where you can make plenty bets on the association. When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money lines on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out, guys. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings. Go, go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more the more you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win. So whether you're betting on just a straight-up win, or how many you know threes Steph Curry is going to have, or how many rebound or rebounds Joel Embiid is going to have, you can place all those bets and parlays at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Place a five-dollar pregame money line bet on any on on any NBA team to win their game and get a one hundred and fifty dollars in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. Really hope you guys have taken great advantage of the great offers I've been giving you here on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough Blog podcast. The really first key to the game I have is the most important key, and that is to contain Tyree Appleby because if this guy gets loose, um, he he has the ability to take over the game despite being the smallest guy that's going to be on the court tomorrow. He's as quick a player that exists in the ACC um, from baseline to baseline. Um, he, he, he can score the ball really at all three levels. Um, he can do so, and, and as, as a stats proved, he does so in an efficient manner. But he's also a floor general. I mean, he averages over five assists. So he's not going to be afraid to – to share the ball and give the ball up. And so I think with that, Hubert Davis has to have a – he has a decision on his hands. Do you put Leaky Black on him? Because Leaky Black would have the size and the licked advantage over him and, 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 and put either Love or Davis on a much more bigger wing player. Or do you trust your backcourt duo to kind of be able to contain him? And, and I think – I think the answer is I want to see both. I want to see Leaky Black on him because that length could really, uh, you know, be a factor on his shooting. Um, it, it could really play play a factor in the passing lanes. I do think when Love and Davis are committed to that end of the court, they can be really good individual defenders. But you know what? I want to see more than anything else, other than Leaky Black on him or my two back or our two guards play really well. Yeah, what you want? I want to press him. And I want to make him have to work the ball up 94 feet and, and have to work to get everything that he wants. Please. Not not him not him getting in, but after Carol, Carolina makes, and he just walks the ball up to the court. We pick him up, you know, 5, 10 feet outside the three-point line. Well, by that point, he's already, you know, Wake Forest is probably already into their action or whatever. 
And, and this is something where I, I really bought in when Hubert Davis said after the Virginia Tech game, this is going to be a part of our DNA. This is going to be a part of who we are, what we do, game in, game out. And that hasn't been the case. And, I, you know, I would have thought after what it did in the, in the game against Georgia Tech and the game against Ohio State, it would just further, you know, cement that that's a part of what Carolina is going to do on the defensive end of the court. Quite honestly, it's done the exact opposite. Didn't really see it against Michigan, and you didn't really see it against Pittsburgh. That's the best way to make the game harder on him. That's the easiest way to take him out of a rhythm from from word go. Don't let him go out there and knock, you know, knock in a few jumpers where you want to start trying to make things hard on him. Because by that point, it's too late. He's too doggone good of a basketball player. And so I think that's the thing. Like Carolina's got to look at the scouting report and understand that Wake, kind of like last year, does have a lot of other guys that can put the ball in the basket. But a lot like last year, it was you know predominant off of Alondis Williams and Jake Laravia. Well, this year it's Tyree Appleby. You've got to limit the damage he does. You're not you're not going to shut him down. You're not going to take him away completely, but you've got to limit him. If not, this guy is not he, – he, he's more than capable of coming into your building, dropping a 30-piece, and Wake Forest leaving with a big-time win for Steve Forbes and that program. Yeah, and, I mean, to answer your original question, I, I got to be honest, I don't really know because who starts this game for Wake Forest? They have two guys – that have started every game this year for them. Appleby and Andrew Carr. Everybody else, they've had in and out of the lineup. Now, some of the guys have missed games. Monsanto's missed one. Davian Williamson's missed two. Matthew Marsh has missed three. But there's some interchanging pieces. I mean, they have Matthew Marsh... Davian Bradford have started four games. Zach Keller started six. Monsanto started seven. And Davian Williamson has started seven. So they're mixing a lot of things up. If I had to guess what they're going to do, especially based off of what we just saw in the last game, they will probably go big to try to force Leaky Black to have to stay on. I would imagine they would probably start the 6'9", Andrew Carr, on the wing, and they would probably make Leaky Black have to stay out there, meaning that you would ha- you would have no choice but to leave your guards yeah. on Appleby. To me, I don't even care if they do go with that. No, you don't risk it. Those guards were pathetic trying to defend the dribble drive against Jamarius Burton, who is nowhere near as good as Appleby. You need Leaky Black on him, and you live with the results elsewhere. So, this is... Carolina's going to be in in for a tough one here. I got to be honest with you. I think that Carolina, they have to get creative. You're right. I think they have to show some pressure to the ball early and often. This is going to come down to what Carolina does on the offensive end of the floor. This feels like this could be a track meet game. Yeah, I mean, and look, that's kind of how we felt when when these two teams met last year. We knew going, especially going to Wake Forest, the way that they play under Steve Forbes, where there's so much, you know, they, they play with spacing and they, they play with a really great pace. They take a lot of quick shots to, to speed the game up. And, you know, you would think that would favor Carolina, but this team, 
despite how it's constructed, as much as I still believe they play at their, you know, they should play at their best when they're in the open court. Sometimes it 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 really goes against them, and so this is this probably does feel like a game where Carolina's got to put up 80, 85, 90 points to win, and I think they're capable of doing that if. Everybody on offense is contributing. If Pete Nance, you know, and I know he was limited with some back issues in that Pittsburgh game, but he can't. He's been a disappearing act since he hit the most important shot of the season against Ohio State. You need Love and Davis to be, you know, efficient and effective, and then you need something off the bench. And so, I'm with you. It does feel like a game where Carolina's got to put up a lot of points. I think they're capable of doing that. Um, and another way to do that is to force turnovers. This Wake team turns the ball over 13 times per game. So it's not an outrageously high number, but that number just proves— That's more significant than a lot of the teams we've played well, recently. It also just proves that this is a team that struggles to take care of the basketball, which should also make it easier to want to make you press and and give them fits while they're trying to get into their offense and make them commit a few uh, you know a few silly turnovers that you commit like you commit that then turn into 6 8 points going the other way if this is a game where carolina comes out and they only force i don't know 6 7 maybe 8 turnovers at the most we're going to have to really come in here and question and examine the defensive scheme, the defensive effort, uh, you know, uh, pretty much everything on it in the court because the math will tell us that Wake Forest is going to turn the ball over. And, and so I just think that for a team that, you know, maybe has to score a few more points than what they're used to having to score, and that's where Carolina is right now, the best way to do that is on is, is to force turnovers and just, re, just reestablishes the belief that – Hubert Davis needs to press. I'm not. I mean, I'm not talking. I'm talking from the word go. Like the first time you make a basket, pick him up full court. You're talking Princeton, right? Ninety four feet of hell. Well, that was Arkansas, but all right. I'm getting it mixed up here. Uh, you're so basically, you want to see that for forty minutes. <clears throat> um. Yeah, I mean, as frequently as possible. Yeah, they're not our guys. I mean, you our know, guys couldn't play that. We're, we're, I mean, look, we're not going to go Bob Huggins and press off a miss, but yeah, yeah, no, I, I, there, there's no excuse. Look at how you play when you press as compared to how you don't play or how you play when you don't press. Carolina looks better when they press. Yeah, I, the I'm, game comes easier. I, I'm just going to tell you, unless we won't, I don't think we'll see it at all unless this is a game they're trailing in late. But if you do see it, it is only going to be sparingly. I, I just, and I hope you're, I hope you're right in terms of creating turnovers. Yes, I, I definitely think that is that is something that. Carolina has to be able to do in this game because yeah as you as I said earlier I mean 13 is that's that's not a ton but it's definitely more significant than the teams that you've played recently so they are a little looser with the basketball and you have to take advantage of that make things easier on yourself in terms of how you score because one of the issues that they had down the stretch of the game the other day was they just simply they stopped getting the ball inside they stopped going to the basket it's it looked a lot a lot more like the offense that hurt them so much 
during that four-game losing streak. And you cannot get back into that mindset if you're Carolina. You've been moving the ball so well. And I thought early in the game the other day, really for 30 minutes, they moved the ball pretty well. But then all of a sudden, things kind of went to hell in a handbasket for the final 10 minutes of the game because you stopped doing what you, you what, what allowed you to get easy baskets. And that's the key for me in this game if you want to if you want to score the way that you're supposed to make things easy get to the foul line and make your foul shots the other day the percentages would tell you they were great but they had timely misses you have to avoid those again in this game and as you said create those turnovers get out in space cuz we saw what sort of jump started that run that Carolina had there where they wore won four games in a row before the loss the other day was creating turnovers and getting out in space in those games against Georgia Tech and the Citadel. Yeah, and the, the last key I have for this game is Carolina's got to win the painted area. They lost that that area of the game last Friday, 42-26. to 26. Um, Pittsburgh's improved. Jamarius Burton is a really good player. Wake Forest has better talent. So it's going to be harder to keep them out of the paint. And, and and look, do I want to give up 42 points in the paint? Absolutely not. Because I, I think that just shows a, a lack of discipline a discipline and ability to defend. But I, I, I have this down because I think Carolina should eat inside. And as, as much fun as it is to watch Love and Davis when they get hot and they're cooking, it's a lot more fun when you put the ball inside and you know that guy's going to get a bucket. And that's what Baycott is right now. He's reestablished himself as the leading scorer while shooting 57% from the field. It's not like he's doing so and being inefficient. No, when he when he gets the ball, for the most part, he's either making a basket, getting fouled, or missing his shot, grabbing his miss, and going back up with the ball. And... Wake Forest doesn't have an answer for a guy like him. And so I want them first to go inside and out with Armando Baycott. But for Love and Davis, like, at some point, you've got to find another way to score besides shooting threes. Because right now, you're both shooting 30% or, or worse in that area of, of, of the game. Get inside. You have the ability to take guys off the bounce, you have the ability to finish through, through, to finish through contact. Do it. And then all those other shots that are a part of your arsenal, those shots are going to come. And so I think if Carolina wins the painted area and they get to 44, 46, let alone 50 points in the paint, first off, I think that really helps them in this proverbial track meet that you and I are sitting here talking about. And I think it would just break the will of Wake Forest and really make it easier to see Carolina winning this game because – Maybe people haven't seen Wake Forest play a lot. I've seen them play uh, quite a bit. I watched their I watched their loss at Rutgers. I watched them beat Duke at home. This is a really good basketball team. This isn't going to be an easy win for Carolina, no way, shape, or form. If you do these three things that are, that 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 we're we're, we're we're talking about here, I do much see a much easier, clearer path to a Carolina victory. Well, I'm going to take you know you for your word because if you watch that Rutgers game, you saw them get absolutely destroyed. So there's your recipe for how to beat this team. But yeah, that that's that's always going to be a key for Carolina is getting 
inside, winning the painted area. One of the easiest ways to win the painted area yet again in this game, they're going to have size. None of these dudes are going to have anything for Armando Baycott. And that was what was so frustrating on the offensive end of the floor the other day was that Pittsburgh had nothing for Baycott the entire day. They look completely lost. And late in the game, you just you, you just stop going to them. Carolina can't do that in this game. Their guards have to get downhill. But, yeah, as you mentioned, winning the painted area, the other part of it is you've got to be able to stop the damn ball because you didn't do it the other day. You didn't even remotely come close to doing it. And, look, it was everybody. They switched Leaky Black onto him. First play that Jamarius Burton had Leaky Black on him, he blew right by him like Leaky wasn't even standing there. So Carolina's got to find a way to stop the dribble penetration because Wake Forest saw that, and you better believe they are going to attack that. And look, Carolina, that was an issue early in the season at times for Carolina, even in some of the games that they won. I thought they adjusted, and especially against Ohio State and Michigan, they did a good job of shutting that off. Well, they got to get back to doing whatever they were doing in that two-game stretch because if they allow the same type of dribble penetration, it's going to be hard to see them winning in the painted area. Because I'm not, I'm not worried about them, you know, losing in the painted area the way they did a couple of times during the losing streak, where they just let up a bunch of offensive rebounds, and that was where the team got their paint scoring. This is this Wake Forest team should not be able. I mean, their rebounding numbers are not great at all. Um, so, I mean, Carolina should have no trouble out rebounding this team on the glass. That 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 shouldn't even be that that should not even be a question. I mean, they don't have a guy on their team averaging more than six point six rebounds. I mean, this should be no doubt a dominant performance there. But if you let these guards just go to work on you again. You're going to be in a lot of trouble. It, it, that That's the biggest thing to me is find a way to take away the lane again or else it, it could be a long night. Yep. Um, Carolina enters this game, believe it or not, according to ESPN's matchup predictor. Uh, Carolina's got a 79.8% chance to win. Uh, probably they're reading into the narrative of oh, man. Carolina's really, really good at home. Wake Forest is extremely average away from home. But I, I do think, you know, this game means a lot for Wake Forest and their tournament resume. I do think you're going to see a, a really motivated Wake Forest squad um, come into Chapel Hill on Wednesday night. I think Carolina wins, but I, I think it'll be a game that when we when we're done talking about it, we're only feeling the way we're feeling about it because they won. I I, I just think this team is going to be back playing in, you know, this uh the, 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 this type of basketball where it doesn't make you feel like you're trending anywhere that you're not getting that you're not getting any better. Um and then and, and that's a really you know un un unfun place to be, but. I just think that's where you are because, you, you know, you, you struggled so much um, to come back and beat, you know, a decent Ohio State team. 
it carried over somewhat in the Michigan game, but you could never put that game away. Um, you couldn't put Pittsburgh away, and that's the biggest reason why is because Carolina just is lacking the ability to put opponents away right now. Um, but I do think they win. I do think they improve to 10-5 and five and pick up their second ACC win of the season. Well, as you mentioned, I think a big reason why Carolina is favored as by as much as they are in this game is because – this game is at home, and Carolina is definitely a different team at home. I also think that the other day was a wake-up call for this team again that, look, you can't just sleepwalk through games and find a way to win. You, apparently, you are not talented enough or good enough, and that should show you everything that you need to know moving forward, that, yeah, you just suffered a bad loss to a mediocre to below-average team. And so I think that's going to serve as motivation in this game. I think that Armando Baycott's words afterwards should motivate his teammates to step up and play the way that they know they're capable of. I think they will because I think in this game, you should know that the fight is going to be taken to you. I don't care what Joe Lenardi says <coughs> at this point in the year. These mean absolutely nothing, and it shows why him putting out bracket brackets at this point is just downright stupid. Leave the man alone. He has a job to do. Uh, but get get the hell out of here. How do you not have this Wake Forest team in the tournament as of right now? They beat Duke. They beat Wisconsin, well, who I'm th- assuming is in the tournament field as this well. This one was on the 27th, so it's almost a week old. Like it, it, Yeah, it, but when did they beat Duke? They beat Duke before Christmas, right? Yeah, but they also have some losses that kind of negate the win over Duke. I, I don't know. To me, they're a tournament team. I, I, I think Carolina will be prepared for this game against a, a, a to me, an above-average basketball team. I think Carolina gets the win. I think, like you said, it'll be it'll be closer than we we probably want it to be because you'll feel like there's moments where Carolina can put it away. That's something that apparent that as of right now they're still working on, but Carolina does get the win. Well, no matter what happens on Wednesday night in the Smith Center, we'll have you covered at HeelToughBlog.com where you can go back and check out the coverage from the Pittsburgh loss if you missed what happened uh, to Pittsburgh before the new year. Um, There'll be a preview of the game on the website, and then, of course, there'll be a recap to follow as the football season now kind of transitions into their offseason mode. We will become we will become basketball predominant uh, moving forward. So find all that great basketball and football coverage at HeelToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, just simply search the Four Corners podcast, and we will pop up. We encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast, but more importantly, We want you to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. With that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Do want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. Happy New Year and go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that. 